safety. From the still point of eternity, we tend to step out away from it. Am I safe? Are you safe? Is he safe? Is she safe? Are they safe? Are we safe? Am I safe from them? Is someone else safe from me? And we begin a dance called duality, <clears throat> where there are dual identities arguing. From the past moment of who I thought I was to the next moment of who I might be, I don't think I'm safe. I can't find the safety in the space of my incarnation, in the space of your incarnation, in the space all around my body. Therefore, space isn't safe from the last moment to the present moment to the next moment, probably not safe. And so we construct an identity and a forward momentum. Processing our history as if that could lead us to the future, but of course it fails because the map of consciousness is not dualistic. It's not based on argument. It never was. It's based upon the still point of eternity, time, through all space, historically, in the present, and in the future. Then we go, oh, I didn't know that in my body. My, my mother didn't know that. My father didn't know that. My ancestors didn't know that. And I, here I am, safely present because of all the gifts of life bequeathed to me through my ancestry and yours and yours and yours and his and hers and theirs. And here we are. Here you are, here I am, contemplating the dimensions of eternity in the very depths of our hearts throughout all aspects of each of our incarnations, every cell of our bodies, every part of our minds, every expression of our hearts, every nuance of emotion, every cause we are virtuously aligning with heaven to represent as our path, the etheric area around us that's the tree bark of our aura right in next to our body. Ah, breathing. Safe, I'm safe. There appears to be safety. How did I not know that? Well, from the central point of the heart chakra, rarely do we find anyone who reaches comprehensive enlightenment to transmit to us safety. Safety. Safest place in the universe, always was. Instead, we tend to study the poisoning of the Buddha, the austerity of practice, the sacrifices of people historically. If I sacrifice enough, will you let me live? If I'm impoverished enough and humble enough, will you let my heart be softened and study God, please? 
if I'm a nerdy enough scientist looking out my window at night at the stars, will you maybe laugh at me in second grade or high school or university, but sort of let me be after you make fun of me so that I can contemplate eternity through my telescope and books from my heart of hearts? Maybe would you let me do that? And we juxtapose war between heaven and earth through all the nuances, I'll use that word again, of our personalities constantly bickering and fighting wars of sophistication of magic, all the levels between physical reality and heaven. We use all of those middle worlds rather than as a translation point, as a point of constant argument, competition, greed, fear, bizarre dualistic causations that are not real. They're, they're just karma. I will think this and it will hit you this way. <clears throat> I will negate you that way. Then you'll negate me this way. Then I'll wish this for you, but I won't really mean it. And then maybe I'll, then I'll do this and then you'll do this. And we push this back and forth, this dualistic conversation. Just like in a computer, the, the language in the computer is 01210121010. It has to have this numerological uh, context or, or there's nothing in the software. There's no message to go through. And so how do we become enlightened enough as a global civilization to dwell from the heart of hearts in each one of us and use our temporal bodies, our bodies which are conceived and born and will live and then die someday. How do we use every holy moment of that just to be with what is holy, with God, with that, with he, with she, with the universe, with that? Oh, that which is holy, a dewdrop of which exists in my heart and expresses itself oceanically through me. Oh my goodness. How did I not know that that was the safest place in the universe? In fact, the only safe place. In the very depth of my heart. And in the very depth of your heart. And his heart and her heart and their heart. When this meets in two or more of us something occurs which in Buddhism is called transmission, a state of a communication from heaven, from that oceanic capacity. And then we know what to do. But usually when this transmission begins, something in the history of one of us or two of us or more of us comes in in short circuits. I like his sweater, but that color could be different. I really like her, except I really love her. She's the most amazing. Oh my God, she said something to hurt my feelings in the hall. I hate her. I, I can't believe that she would do that to me. I thought she was my friend. We go back and forth between extreme affinity and extreme reaction against fearing that response, responsibility, is not possible. Responsibility is your ability to respond always what is in your heart 
to allow, when you're ready, every moment from eternity into the present moment and the next breath into eternity. Then your life's path is safe. What happens then is one begins to commence a life based upon truth and the practice of the actual path from heaven that is one's path. One also is calling forward a mutual path, equal in dignity, in every other human being to the best of one's practice and prayer and life. Then the still point of eternity in the depth of the heart is, is truly content. So <clears throat> I would like us to do three things today as we go into this next aspect of the retreat. The first is something I say in almost every major class I teach. I learned from uh, Twyla Nitsch, who was, uh, adopted me as, her, as a spiritual granddaughter. Her spiritual name, she was a Seneca Oneida Scottish woman from Western New York State. Her ancestors are from the very lake that I grew up on. Her great-grandfather's hunting grounds are on the western side of the lake where my family has a small cottage my father built when my parents were pregnant with me in 1952 and three. And Twyla's name in her tradition was she whose voice travels on the wind. She's of the wolf clan. And she said to me, whenever you teach someone, have them always begin everything asking for protection. With heaven's protection, one then enters the depth of the heart chakra, the place of the still point of eternity, and commences the next breath, protected by heaven's will for one. You joining your will to heaven's will in prayer and practice. So we begin. May I be protected always and everywhere. May my family be protected always and everywhere. May all of humanity and all beings and all of creation be protected always and everywhere. So we begin with this. Then we're going to add two points today, which are the directional forms in which duality moves. <clears throat> Affinity. We can say, I really love my father or I really love my mother, or I really love a sibling or a child in my family, or a very close friend, close colleague. And when we love someone and we are centered as if we were grounded like the great tree of life, grounded to the very center of the earth, our incarnation safely centered in the depth of the heart and soul, the still point of eternity, our incarnation fully grounded. I am safely held on this earth as a great cowrie tree of New Zealand or a great um, redwood tree, the Semper, uh, Semper Virens, the redwood. 
growing to be massively tall, living for a thousand years or more. The cowrie living for up to 4,000 years. The bristlecone pine, which are short and stubby, but maybe live 2,000, 3,000 years. Whatever the form of my incarnation, may I be grounded such as one of these or another type of great tree so that I'm held in the earth. If I'm having a very rough time, may I allow the great trees of the earth to be a grounding point beside me, not for me, but beside me, so that they are my mentors, my teachers. And just as they grow toward the heavens in their incarnations, in their lives, held firmly on the firmament of the earth, so may I grow toward the heavens in my life, held by the firmament where I am steadfast here upon the earth. And then I allow from the depth of my heart and soul this quality of the still point of eternity safely within my heart and soul and my quest. It's not static. It's not just quiet and not alive. It is a still point in eternity. Yet in space, we are breathing, moving, alive. So there is a place in us that is not changing. And yet everything else about us is changing. How do we bring those together? So this quality of affinity is where we reach out. I love my dad. I'm reaching toward him. I love my mom, I'm reaching toward her, or my brother, or my sister, or a good friend, or oh, my, my great love, I'm reaching toward him, I'm reaching toward her, I'm reaching toward them. What happens when we reach in too much affinity is we get our feet knocked out from under us. Do they really love me? If I give them a blue sweater for their birthday, I think they'll really love that. And they might say, you know, I really don't like wool, or I love wool and you got cotton for me, or you got an acrylic one of artificial threads, you know, and materials, or, you know, why didn't you knit one for me, or you knit one for me, it's too small. And then we're we are devastated. They don't love the sweater that I wish for them out of the place in me that has such affinity for them. And we start to armor ourselves against being hurt by them. Or we come out of our space slightly forward in our soul, through our body, a little too far forward, trying to justify, well, you know, if I got you a different sweater, if it was a different color blue, if I get a different material. And then we spend years compensating for how there wasn't a great translation about the blue sweater. But from the very moment of it occurring where the response ability of the other person answers us rather than holding the sweater to their chest and putting it on or looking at it and just saying, thank you so much. When it's not a centered response and we lose our center, instead, we can say at any point from the present moment, going back and recapitulating any part of our history where we have memories like this. You know, I just was showing my love for them in that moment from the still point of eternity in my own heart. 
loving the still point of eternity in theirs. Wanting them to be adorned in a sweater. Myself beside them in a sweater. So we could together be safe on this cool or inclement or cold day. This is called love. And so an infinity symbol is what we're working toward achieving of a reciprocity of that grace. Their heart and our heart in God. The place in them where the divine dwells, that dewdrop in the center of their heart and soul. With that dewdrop in the center of the heart and soul of myself. Bowing to one another. Acknowledging one another. Recognizing one another. Calling out to one another. May you be safe. Protected and guided in all ways. Everywhere. Always. May I be safe and protected and guided in all ways, everywhere and always. And then the two still points of eternity are quite still together in God. And if they can commence an adequate trust in that truth or union with God or with heaven or with the universe, something happens between our hearts that is eternal and yet newborn, beyond duality, and we realize, oh, we're both on our path. Oh. And then in the next breath, we commence the next expression of life, practicing that to the best of our ability. So when we get off balance with affinity, it tends to be, I bought you some fruit at the store, I know you like the peaches or the satsuma oranges or tangerines or the clementines. or, And then the person says, no, I don't really like them anymore. Or, oh, thanks, but didn't we have those last week? Often we have a great laziness or sloppiness about just insulting the other person to keep a boundary of ego. You know, I'm here. So a being like me could respond, I know you're here. That wasn't the point. What kind of fruit would you like? Well, I didn't mean I didn't mean it that way. And I'm like, of course you meant it that way. You were trying to push me away so that you could have your own space and occupy the whole apartment or house or field or marketplace about you. What kind of fruit would you like? And they might stop and say, well, you know, my grandmother used to put clementines in my stocking and I miss her. And I go, oh. Well, would you like some or should we get something different? And then I'm attenuated to God. How is the divine answering my love, my friend, my colleague, the person working in the store, trying to please every person in there obtaining fruit? Right? So in the cacophony of arguments between heaven and earth, we call that magic. All the levels where people are fighting and bickering and greedy and grasping and pushing and lying and cheating and, and saying, when I'm really okay, or I'm a victim, or I'm a predator, or you're bad, you know, we just argue constantly trying to achieve a, sort of a highest level of the food chain so that we could become enlightened. <clears throat> but the enlightenment is right there in the very center of your heart the very center of your friend, loved one's heart, the very center of the heart of the person who has presented the fruit from their farm, 
whose face you'll probably never see, you say, oh, thank you. You know, they, they raised this from a seed so that I could pick this up today and be fed. Wow. May the still points of eternity in that being and all of his or her or their family's beings and all the people working in their fields or their little farmhouse or their little warehouse, climbing trees, digging in the dirt, happy or burdened, migrant or landowner, slave or servant or free man or woman or person. May the fruit of heaven passing through all of our hands nourish the still point of eternity in each one of us and all the cells in all of our incarnations, each one of our bodies fed by this one tangerine just like those my grandmother Anna would obtain at the store and the vendors would try to have come to us in Western New York State's little towns with stems and leaves still on them so they could be put in holiday stockings. When I was very little, on December 6th, the Feast of St. Nicholas, a real human being who put food and coins and warm gloves or socks on the door handles of the poor children of his city in the Netherlands, right? That's how I was taught about Christmas from my father's family. And what, what would I see in the top of the stocking? My grandmother's care once she went to three grocery stores before she found them. And one of us, my brother Mike or I, had to give up one because there weren't four of them with stems and leaves. So she made sure Terry and Peter each had one in their stocking because they were the little ones. And either Mike or I had one without a stem. I would say Mike and I were close enough that I don't remember which one of us didn't have the stem. I only remember us together, right? This is where our path lies. Every step before us, it, it, it has a very straightforward path. And then people come in and they will threaten us with, well, it's not like it was a great piece of fruit. Well, it's not like it was a rare piece of fruit. Well, it's not really my favorite fruit. And all one has to do is come back to that place in the middle of your heart. Well, I hope you like it. This is the best I'm able to do today. And you offer it to that part of the other human being. And all of the trees that grow citrus, and all of the plants of the world, and all the soil of the world, and all the workers of the world who tend them, and their produce, and the elements, the air, and fire from the sun and the center of the earth that keep them warm and fulfilled with carbon dioxide and the inert gases they need, nitrogen, oxygen and the soil that they grow through, which nourishes them through minerals, and the water that is absorbed up through the tree trunks and out through the branches and leaves, and the blossoms turning into bud and fruit, and then seed again. And we realize, oh, I had such a day today. I used affinity to come back 
into the center of my heart. My affinity for the citrus is so great. Going to visit my father's uh, family, some of his great aunts and uncles, or his aunts and uncles, my great aunts and uncles in Florida as a little girl. Our family drove down there several times during our our Christmas or uh, spring breaks from school. And my father drove the whole family, my our mother and, and the four of us children down to see them. And we would come into the areas where the citrus were in bloom. The smell was, it just has never left the central part of my heart. We were seeing people who were at the center of my father's life and through him my mother's and all four of ours. Two of them were unable to have children, so my father was eminently important to them in their love of life. And he honored that. And their love for him was then a blossom in me, mysterious and true and so profoundly beautiful. So smelling the blossoms coming down into to the southeastern United States and then departing there to go back up to the cold or snowy areas of the northeast where my family lived. It's never left me. And any time I journey into the California desert where Blaine's family has lived for many years, twice a year, the citrus would be in bloom all across the desert floor. Extraordinary. And so even the perfume I wear is based on, on, on neroli or the blossoms of the bitter orange fruit. It's a signature for me of God. So there's no way that anyone can harm me when such a perfume dedicated to the holiness of God is all around me. If someone asks, well, who are you? What do you have that's important? I go, nothing. What do you have that's possessable on the earth? I go, nothing. What do you have that I would want to fight a war over? I go, absolutely nothing. What do you have that I would want to steal from you? I go, not much. What do you have that I could take from you? I go, nothing. What if I took your life? I go, the perfume of God's holiness is with me in eternity from the history of all that I am able to be to the present and all that I am able to pray and practice to be that I am of God. Toward the next breath of the future where there is only God in the still point of eternity that is me. <laughs>